Hey friends, welcome back to Ill Natured. I'm Michelle. And I'm Alyssa. Today, Alyssa has a case for us, and I've been on the edge of my seat for two weeks since she told me she was doing it, so I'm real excited, and I hope you all are too. What you got, sis? Yeah, I'm excited, and like I mentioned last week, I didn't really know what case I wanted to do when I was trying to figure out what case to do, mm-hmm. and I was really overwhelmed by my options because I've told you all this before, but I have like a list of victims and like different cases and stuff that i'd like to cover and it has like 200 people on the list and so it's hard for me to decide who i wanted to cover and then i was just scrolling through trying to decide and mckay thankfully made this decision for me they so, are good for something these men but thankfully <laughs> he was like oh i heard of that case i think you should cover that one so i was like okay cool so i am going to be talking about the disappearance of natalie holloway She was an 18-year-old girl who was living in Alabama and had graduated in 2005 when she was on a senior trip to Aruba. That was the year after I graduated. So this one really, like, I followed it, and it really bothered me because, you know, that's crazy. That could have been me. Yeah. That's what I I think, what I thought. So... Natalie Ann Holloway was born on August... Oops, excuse me. Let to hear start. <laughs> October. Yeah, I can't read, obviously. Um, na- Thank you, I am cool. Aren't you I? are cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm cool. That's a plus. I always, Alyssa. goes without saying, but I'll say it again. You want me to? You're so cool. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It really makes my head a little bit too big. Um, Natalie Ann Holloway was born on October 21st, 1986 in Memphis, Tennessee. Her parents are Dave and Elizabeth, or Beth, as we will refer to her from now on. Um, And she had a younger brother named Matthew. Dave and Beth unfortunately divorced in 1993 when Natalie was only seven years old. And after that, her and her brother Matthew were mainly raised by Beth. Now, I didn't go into too much detail, but I was just assuming that Dave just wasn't there as much. Maybe because um, living in different states or, you know, custody, whatever. Um, Because in 2000, Beth ended up marrying a man named George Jug Twitty. Excuse me? Yeah, his name Come again? Was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was a pretty important and famous businessman. Jug, by the name of Jug, Alabama man. Sorry, listeners, I'm just playing. I give my sister a hard time. She lives in Alabama. Anywho, <laughs> um, the family moved to Mountain Brook, Alabama, which is a very wealthy suburb of Birmingham. And I was reading an article online that described Mountain Brook like this. Quote, 
The so-called tiny kingdom has upscale shopping, fine dining, spa treatments, and green spaces that all come together to create an experience as luxurious as it is memorable, end quote. Ooh. Um, and the pictures of the town are, like, gorgeous, too. It's very um, fancy, beautiful. Um, and, you know... I'm a diehard University of Alabama fan, and I literally put it here super fancy for it to be in Alabama. That's right. That's right. (laughs) No matter how much I love Alabama, it's just this society, I guess, this town, it's just like super... Rich folks folks everywhere, I reckon. Period. Not here, though. Okay. Um, So... Natalie graduated with honors in May of 2005 from Mountain Brook High School, and she was a member of the National Honor Society and was on her school's dance squad. She was also a part of the American Field Service, which helped exchange students get used to life in America. Hmm. Yeah, so she seemed like a, you know, pretty good girl, and she was smart, and she seemed to be fit, Beautiful. She was gorgeous. Oh my gosh, she was gorgeous. Um, Natalie was also very, you know, big into her faith, and she was an avid churchgoer. In one article I read, her uncle said she was a good girl who could be naive, hadn't dated a lot, and was not a partier. So, a good girl, you know, like the typical good girl. Yeah. Like Nancy was in season one of Stranger Things. Okay. <laughs> so, Natalie had a full academic scholarship to study pre-med and none other than the University of Alabama. And can I just get a roll tide from all of our listeners? I'm waiting. I'm listening. And no one's saying it. <laughs> Sorry. I love you, Elizabeth. Shelly, you don't even start. You, shouldn't even you, don't even live in, you don't even live in Alabama. So, and what? Yeah, and what? What's the point? Who cares? Where do you live, man? That dirty down South Georgia. Okay. I'm just saying, you know, the Bulldogs did win. You know, I don't watch football. I'm not a fan. And she really doesn't want it. (laughs) Anything, actually. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't Mm -hmm. want to go into this conversation with me because I just Mm -hmm. hate to say that is going to be the last time that I do it for another 40 plus years. Bless him. Oh, bless him, Georgia. Maybe. It was exciting. More than likely. Even not being a fan was exciting. Well, good for you. And- all right. All right, sis. Let's move it along. Anywho, um, now, before we get started into the details of the trip and the disappearance, the last time Natalie was seen alive, yep. suspects, yada, 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 mm-hmm. I wanted to point out that this was an unofficial graduation trip with her classmates, yep. classmates, which I'm assuming means the school did not set this up like, you know, the private schools down here do. Like, yep. they went to Jamaica. Like, you know, the That's private right. school here went to Jamaica. Right. Um, My sister was, went on a senior cruise and just, like, the parents organized it. Right. And I got to go. <laughs> yeah, so lucky you. Um, anyways, the group that went to Aruba was consisting of 124 students and seven cha- chaperones. I almost said chaperones. Only seven chaperones? Yes, but can we just take a moment to just think I just said chaperones? <laughs> Wait a minute. I kind of wish you would have, and then just realized it. And then it would have surprised us when we listened to the episode. I always loved that. Me and Alyssa, golly. 
surprise. Oh, man. Yeah, it's hard listening. I accidentally said something real inappropriate one of the last episodes. I hope you cut it out. If you didn't, it's all right. What kind of inappropriate? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I don't know. I didn't. I haven't listened to the last. Summer's so busy. Me and Alyssa have been talking about this. Our listenership's kind of down. And I think it's because of summer. Because I haven't been listening to um, as much as I usually do. Anyway, seven chaperones for 124 students. Yeah, that's that kind of So now let me read what this says next. Okay. My first thought was exactly what you just said. Right. Those chaperones. Sh- Golly, <laughs> she is determined to mispronounce chaperones. <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. These adults <laughs> were very outnumbered, like very, very outnumbered. Yeah. But according to one of these chaperones, they were there to check on the kids daily to make sure they were okay. Um, right. right. <laughs> and chaperones. <laughs> Uh-huh. Jody Behrman, who organized this trip, said, quote, the chaperones were not supposed to keep up. <laughs> what? Wait a second. Not Wait a second. <laughs> okay. This is what Liam does to me. Hang on. Reset. <laughs> and he boops my nose. <laughs> that's funny. When he's grouchy, that's what he does to make me. Oh. Mm, get on to him. That's cute. It's really cute. He knows how to work it. You hear me? Yeah, it sure does. He does. That's sweet. Okay. Jody Behrman, who organized the trip, said, quote, the chaperones were not supposed to keep up with their every move, end quote. Well, I mean, they just graduated high school. I could see it. But I know my folks, and, you know, they were keeping tabs. On all of us. Well, I'm thinking this is what they're like. Okay, let's go to Aruba. We'll, like, get a hotel. Like, we'll stay all in the same hotel. But other than that, like, that's it. Yeah. Like, if they have issues, we're here. Real trusting parents. I mean, you know, maybe they were. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, the group settles in at the Holiday Inn Resort, which is on the north side of the island. And this was beginning their five-day trip. Now that they were settled in and they weren't really being monitored, it was time to start the party. Okay. okay. I mean, they're a bunch of 18-year-olds, like, obviously. Word. The entire trip consisted of wild partying, room-swapping constantly, you know what that means, and lots of drinking. Chief Gerald Dompig... I don't big. Don't pick. I guess that's how you. It's D O M P I G. Is the don't pick? Is the P ever silent? Because this would be inappropriate. Don't spot for it to be silent. I don't think it's ever silent though. Don't pick. Don't don't make don't pig. Okay. Don't pig. I'm trying to remember back to the newscast because y'all, I was in it. Like I listened to every, watched every story. But I don't remember Dawn Pig. I remember her mom, Beth. She's a good, she's a good mama. Well, I do really apologize if I'm mispronouncing this name. Don't um, sweat it, sis. Yeah, I don't. Just don't come for me. No one's um, listening. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. 
in charge of the investigation the first few years said quote we know the holiday inn told them they weren't welcome next year no yeah so they were were wild partying yeah and it said natalie we know she drank all day every day we have statements that she started every morning with cocktails so much drinking that natalie didn't show up for breakfast two mornings end quote so they were trying to make it seem like they were turnt. Well, I mean, and drunk all the time. Oh, yeah. This is the authorities in Aruba, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at least two of her classmates confirmed that it seemed to be a lot of drinking for her. Like she didn't drink a lot, you know. That's right. Or ever at all from her family account. They knew though, Alyssa. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But the night before the group left Aruba was no different. I mean, they were about to party. It was their last night there. Natalie and a large group of students went out together on May 29th, 2005. I didn't realize it was the night before they left. Mm -hmm. It just makes it hit Mm -hmm. a little harder. The group went to Carlos and Charlie's nightclub, which is funny because we were just talking about that. Were we talking about that on air or just personally me and you? I think personally because I was telling you we went to Mexico one time. Yo, when you go to Mexico, don't go sit in Carlos and Charlie's. Go off the grid. We went on the most amazing excursion. We paid like, I don't know, 30 bucks. It was a little sketchy, the cab ride, but we went snorkeling. We had authentic Mexican food. It was amazing. So, yeah, there you go. But anyways, they decided to do the earlier choice and go to mm-hmm. Carlos and Charlie's. Um, and when the club started closing around 1 a.m., which I thought was pretty early for a club to close. Yeah. Agreed. Especially in a vacation destination. I'll say like a touristy spot. Right. Anyways, but when they were starting to close, the group started to split up. Mm. Some of them went back to the hotel and others went to find a new party to crash, if you will. Okay. I will. No, I'm kidding. Don't. Natalie don't. Well, Natalie was seen around 1.30 a.m. leaving the area with three unknown males. Now, I didn't get an exact place in time these three met Natalie, but it was said that one of them, the main suspect that we will later find out in the case, Jorn Van Der Sloot, who was only 17 years old at the time and lived nearby, chatted Natalie and her friends up one night. I think it was this night. He's a creeper. Yeah. He just looks like a creeper. Oh, he's disgusting looking. Um, Then Jorn and his two friends, brothers, Deepak and Satish. Satish? Satish. Satish. Kalpo joined in with the group and they were all hanging out with him when they were at the nightclub. They were all seen drinking and dancing and hanging out. And then Natalie decided to go with the three guys after the club. I guess because, you know, most of them were heading back to the hotel and she's like, it's my last night here. Guys, I think this goes without saying for any of you listening. Don't go alone. Don't go anywhere with strange men. But when when you're drinking... You don't have your thinking cap on straight, you know? Somebody else should have. I don't, I'm not blaming. I'm not, I wish someone would have been there with her and said, nah, you know, nah, it's not a good idea. Let me go with you. 
those are the kind of things. That's why you always have to stay on your toes and take care of your girls. Okay. Because mm -hmm. like Natalie, nobody, there's no going back. There's no going back. Right. Mm. Just like with Brittany, you know, like the, right. they should have, yep. should, they should have, somebody should have been with her. Exactly. But May 30th, the next morning, mm -hmm. everyone was supposed to be meeting up in the hotel lobby to head back home to Alabama, but Natalie never showed up. Of course, everyone is thinking at first she got too drunk, missed her alarm, hadn't woken up yet, you know, like she's just right. sleeping in. You never she was partying words. last yep. night, um, and she missed breakfast two out of the five days they were there, so right. it wouldn't be surprising if she just kind of overslept. Yep. So, some friends went looking for her. They were unable to find her and discovered in her room that her bags cell phone and passport were still in there and it appeared that natalie never came back to the hotel after they had left the club hey she didn't have her sale with her apparently not i mean it's 2005 yeah okay it's like flip phone sis i had a flip phone in 2005 and it was with me all the time well if all your friends are in a room with you who the hell you need to talk to i don't know but I'm pretty sure in 2005 we could take pictures with our phone, too. That's weird to me that she didn't have her phone. I don't know. Huh. Well, um... Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> now, what I was going to say was... It doesn't say how long the group waited for her after checking the hotel or what the next steps they were going to do, but I do know they did eventually call Beth and tell her that Natalie was not there to leave for um, Alabama and nobody could find her. Mm -hmm. And then the chaperones and the other remaining students got on a plane and left Aruba. Excuse me? You, Come again? Yeah, you heard me. Oh, I, that's, I was like, what? There's a lot wrong with that. That tells you about these chaperones and well, that, and then, like, so, the next thing it says, the like, I only could find, like, one little something about them leaving her mm -hmm. in Aruba, you know, and not being like, hmm, let's find her first, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Maybe a couple hours. I don't know. Um, but it said, quote, it felt like I was leaving something behind. It was just a horrifying feeling knowing that she was supposed to be there and she wasn't, end quote. This was one of her friends saying while they were, like, on the plane leaving. So, I just don't, like I said, I don't know how long they had waited. And, like, when they called Beth, I don't know, like, if they waited for Beth to get there or, you know, I don't know any of this. But for right. them to just leave, it doesn't seem like they waited long enough, in my opinion. No. Well, see, but I think different. <laughs> it's always worst case scenario. First yeah. for me. Me too. Like, and maybe they just thought, you know, she passed out somewhere and. You're going to have to come find You're going to have to come get her. Maybe that some of them were probably even a little bit irritated. Can you imagine? Wow. Holy. That's Phew. intense. Phew. Really? Really? So, I'm just, I just don't know if I would have left her there alone at Aruba. Well, I can tell you right now, I would not have left. Sorry, I can say that with 100% certainty. I would not have left someone's daughter yeah. A youngster that, that had been partying all week. I would not have left her there by herself. Yeah, exactly. Mm -mm. Well, it says Beth, when she received the call about Natalie, 
She said she knew instantly that something was bad and something, like, you know, something bad had happened. Yeah. And either she had been killed or kidnapped. But Natalie was not one to just not show up. Now, they probably, like I said, don't know they were drinking as much as they were. But she seemed to be, other than being those two late days yep. for breakfast, she seemed to be punctual for mm-hmm. the most part. Mm-hmm. Beth... Jug, her husband, <laughs> Dave, her ex-husband, Matthew, the brother, and a couple of more, like, family friends flew to Aruba immediately on a private jet. Dave and Beth realized very quickly that the police and the legal system there was very different than it was in America. Dave said the first day in Aruba, he was, like, freaking out, you know, worried about where his daughter was. You know, she's freaking missing. Yeah. And the police were just telling them to go to a bar and get a beer. Like, chill out. Everything is Excuse me, soon, brother. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me what to do. Number one. Uh, but you have to be nice to them. I'm sure that was difficult. Because you can't piss them off. Yeah, I guess so. But mm-hmm. it would have been annoying. Yeah. Um... They weren't as urgent as they thought they should be or how they felt police in America would react in this situation. And in one source I read, within four hours of being on the island and doing their own investigation, the family and their friends had the name of and the address of Joran, who was the last person seen with Natalie. So the family's the one that found him. Mm. <laughs> and they did it within, like, so many hours of being on this island yeah but the cops seemed to not be doing anything like they had to hunt him down yeah they thought since they were seen leaving the club together joran was more than likely the last person that had seen natalie alive now none of my Sources really went into much detail about the family's initial investigation, but I do know Beth talked to the Holiday Inn night manager, which is where she first heard the name Joran Vandersloot. Huh. They left the hotel to go to Carlos and Charlie's, which is the last place her friends saw her, and then they ended up at Joran's house. Two Aruban officers went with them to Joran's in hopes that they could get more information out of him rather than a bunch of random Americans standing at his door. Yeah. So, you know, they thought, like, cops come and at least he'll talk. He maybe might talk to cops rather than us. Yeah. And I, mean, I agree with him there because he's a real boob. Oh, yes. And y'all will see, like, it's uh, about to piss you off something for you. I know. I'm about to get angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At first, Joran denied ever seeing Natalie or hearing her name like, I don't know who she is. But then his story changed. He said after they left the nightclub, they drove Natalie to the California Lighthouse area of Arushi Beach because she allegedly wanted to see sharks. Then they dropped her off at the hotel around 2 a.m. And Joran said that when she was getting out of the vehicle to leave, she fell or stumbled. And he offered his help, but she declined. And as the guys drove away, according to Joran, a man in a dark shirt that resembled what the security guards wore approached her. Mm-hmm. One of the Calpo brothers was there during this encounter and corroborated his story. They get him to go to the hotel and point out the security guard that he saw, but he couldn't find him. Of course he couldn't find him. 
Mm, yeah. So on biography.com, it said that June 1st was when the first local search team was established. And it also said that since Natalie was not considered missing just yet, police weren't taking it too seriously. About 100 tourists and locals started searching the area. Well, thank God for them. Exactly. The Aruban government gave thousands of citizens the day off to help participate in the searches. Isn't that cool for like... Yeah. This isn't like... This is not a local citizen and they're doing this for... Yeah, that's awesome. Just a tourist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good people. Please, in the U.S. ain't letting nobody off work. Capitalism rules, baby. Period. Okay. Maybe we could learn a thing or two. Okay. We never will. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) There were also 50 Dutch Marines that did very thorough searches of the shorelines, thinking she might have passed out, yeah, or drowned in the water, you know. Um, The banks in Aruba even raised $20,000 and provided support to help the rescue teams. Wow, that's awesome. Beth was also provided with housing during her stay, which began with her staying at the exact same Holiday Inn. And scarily, the same room Natalie was in. <gasps> and then they moved her to a different hotel. Because she probably wanted to be close. So you'd think, I can see that. Yeah. Like I'd want to be with her stuff and where she slept. And <laughs> you don't cry right now. Yeah. On June 5th, the first suspects were arrested. They were two security guards at a nearby hotel. They were arrested on suspicion of murder and kidnapping, but it never specified on who or what case. It was never released why specifically they were arrested, but apparently Jorn and the brothers have made statements alluding to the fact they had something to do with their arrests. Mm -hmm. Also, they apparently drove around different hotels to pick up women, and one incident involved the police. These two were released without ever being charged on June 13th. On June 9th, though, Jorn Vandersloot and the Kelpo brothers were arrested on suspicion of kidnap and murder in Natalie's case. According to Chief Dompig, these three were top suspects and had been at the center of the investigation since the beginning. He also said that there was a close watch to guys starting as early as three days after Natalie disappeared. Mm-hmm. And this surveillance included phone taps and hacking into their email. Okay. Go, go Aruba if you can do all that. Can you and imagine this was trying three to get days, that done? Yeah, three days after she disappeared, they had all wow. of this going on. That's awesome. I know where we need to live. <laughs> He indicated that the surveillance was stopped prematurely, though, due to pressure from Beth and the family. So they arrested the three earlier than they had planned to without as much evidence as they wanted. Mm-hmm. In Aruba, they are allowed to arrest. Uh, they are allowed to arrest. I need to pronounce it a little bit better because oh, I right. think some people that don't sure. listen from here are like, what? We get to be on our A game, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yikes. Okay, so, anyways. Um, they are allowed to arrest on serious suspicion of a crime, and police may continue to keep the suspect or suspects in custody as long as they are providing building evidence against the suspect at periodic nice. reviews. 
It's another. Which is very helpful, and I think yeah. would have been helpful if they would have done such a thing in, like, let's say, maybe the Rodney Alcala yes. case. Yes. Where he had multiple, multiple. Lots of our cases. Me and my sister were just talking about pedophiles and people who. <sighs> pedophiles. That um, so many times they'll they'll get charged with something when they're young, and then, yeah, it builds and builds and builds, and they just let them out into yeah. the world. Mm, not so, man. Yeah. June eleventh, David Cruz, who's a spokesman for the Aruban Minister of Justice, falsely led to the fact that Natalie was dead, and authorities knew where her remains were at. So, what? Yeah. Um, Cruz later recanted that statement and said he was the victim of a misinformation campaign. That same night, though, Dom Pig told the Associated Press that one of the men that were detained had allegedly admitted that, quote, something bad happened, end quote, to Natalie after they had been to the beach, and apparently the suspect was going to lead them to the scene. I remember this. Mm-hmm. So, super quick fun fact, if you don't know, the Associated Press is like the most trusted source of fast, accurate, and unbiased news, and it's a global news agency. And so, Don Pig told this huge, accurate news agency that he knew something bad happened to her, and they had the suspect that was going to lead them to the scene of what happened. Yeah. And I can't imagine what this family was going through at this moment. And what they are continuing to go through now. Yeah. Still. Ugh. According to E! News on June 14th, the beach and Joran's house was searched where they seized two vehicles, computers, and a camera. On June 17th, there was another suspect arrested, Steve Gregory Crows. Joran told the media that Steve was arrested, quote, based on information from one of the other three detainees. Mm-hmm. June 22nd, police arrested Joran's father, Paulus, or Paul. Both Paul and Steve were set to be released on June 26th. Mm-hmm. Satish Kalpo admitted to lying to the police at first and then changed his story. Mm-hmm. Satish and Deepak dropped Joran and Natalie off at the hotel, and that was the last time they ever saw Natalie. So they got together and decided, nope, we're not going to go with his story anymore. Let's make our own and be done with this. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. claimed they went back home. Yeah. But around the same time, a local gardener at the Aruban Racket Club told the police that he saw all three men in a car around 2.30 to 3 and noted that Joran seemed to be trying to hide his face as they drove past. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said, this time was significant because the Calpro brothers allegedly said they were home after they dropped Natalie and Joran off at the hotel. Yep. Liars. Yeah. So they were just saying something to like get out of what they had done. Another person claimed he saw more men burying a blonde woman in a landfill the afternoon of May 30th, which led to police searches of the landfill, but no evidence of Natalie's remains were discovered. 
And six weeks after her disappearance, her family offered a $200,000 reward for Natalie's safe return. And then any information regarding Natalie's whereabouts or information leading to the truth given to police was rewarded with $100,000. Dang. Yeah. So by the end of July, if Natalie was returned safe, the reward was $1 million. What? That is crazy. That's I remember lot. that, though, and I remember thinking, oh, yeah, this is, this is going to get solved now because people are greedy. Oh, exactly. Like, imagine witnessing this crime or being, a, like, helping one of the bury brothers. the body. Like, yeah. if you were one of the brothers, which is, I think, what happened, which I won't. Yeah, we'll no talk spoilers, about our theories but, at the end. But, um, yeah. In that case, one of these people thinking, oh, I just helped bury a body or something. I'm about to get this one mil. Okay. About to get paid. Period. But you're not. So, July 4th, 2005, a judge ordered for the release of the Calpo brothers, but added another 60 days to Jorn Vandersloot's contain- containment. Mm-hmm. Containment? Sometimes I get confused. That's what I write. Mm-hmm. Containment. There was no reason given for the judge's decision. The FBI then announces that the Aruban government had given them all the files and information related to Natalie's case. Then investigators found a piece of duct tape with blonde hair stuck to it. This where, piece, where did they find this out? Oh, I'm about to tell you right Okay, now. okay, sorry. God bless America. Oh, surely. So... The piece of duct tape was found on the north side of the island where Natalie was said to have been last. Mm -hmm. It was tested at Quantico, but results came back negative for Natalie. In the end of August, the Calpo brothers were rearrested along with a new suspect, 21-year-old Freddie Arambatis. Okay, Freddie A. Um, his lawyer said that Freddie was suspected of taking photos of an underage girl and having inappropriate contact with the same girl. Oh. Yeah, so he's just a creepy dude in general. Yeah. Apparently, the Calpo brothers and Joran were involved in this situation with the underage girl. And this incident occurred before Natalie's disappearance. Uh-huh. Now, Anita Vandersloot, Jordan's mother, said that this was a, quote, desperate attempt to get the boys to talk, but there is nothing to talk about, end quote. There was never any public explanation as to why the Calpo brothers were rearrested, but Dompig later did kind of confirm Anita's claim that was, it was an unsuccessful attempt at a confession. You got to do what you got to do, man. Exactly. Yeah. September 3rd, all four were released on the condition that they had to stay available to the police. But that didn't last long because a couple weeks later, all restrictions were released on the group. Hmm. In February of 2006, Jorant and his dad were served with civil suits in New York. The suit accused Joran of, quote, malicious, wanton, and willful disregard of the rights, safety, and well-being, end quote, of Natalie, and claims Paul enabled his son's predatory behavior. Mm-hmm. After Joran's release, he did several interviews, and one that was most famous was broadcasted over news or over Fox News mm-hmm. for three nights in 2006. Yeah, I watched it, and I could tell by the history. 
filthy little face he was guilty then. I could tell by his body language, by the way he talked. Yeah. He knows well, exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. During this interview, he claims him and Natalie were hanging out and that she wanted to have sex with him. Wrong. Obviously, because he's a fine snack, right? And he's disgusting. No. Uh-uh. I know you're being whatever, but facetious. Facetious. Yeah. Gross. He is gross. He is one of those guys. Ugh. But according to him, he didn't have a condom. So he said mm. Natalie wanted them to stay on the beach together, but Jordan had to get back to school. You know, he had to go because he get ready for school in the morning. Boo! You know, because he's a very um studious, smart, uh, put together fella. Yeah. And Joran, it said Satish picked him up around 3 a.m. and they left Natalie on the beach by herself, by herself, chilling, waiting to be eaten by a shark. Yeah. Even though Satish's attorney said his client had fallen asleep and never went and picked Joran up. Joran also said that he was somewhat ashamed to have left a young woman alone on the beach, mm-hmm. even though she apparently said it was fine and she insisted he leave if he wanted to. He admitted that at first he was not truthful because he thought Natalie would just show up soon. And right before Don Pig retired from the case, he did an interview on CBS, which he said that he did not believe Natalie was met by foul play and murdered, but instead probably died from alcohol and or drug poisoning and someone later buried her body. So the chief that was doing this investigation for the first couple years Said, no, I don't think it was foul play. I think it was just, like, alcohol or drug poisoning, and then someone stumbled across her body and just buried it. Yeah. So they're going to involve themselves in a crime. I would just, if I stumbled across a dead body, I would call the police. Immediately. Yeah. That's silly that he said that out loud. Yeah. It's real silly. He also said that Aruba had spent $3 million on Natalie's investigation, which was about 40% of the police's operational budget. He also indicated that there was evidence that pointed to Natalie being in possession of drugs, but her family denied Natalie ever using drugs. They don't know what she was doing, but what does that have to do with anything? Exactly. I'm sorry. Like, I was young once. Your parents didn't know everything. Well, and how, like, you don't have her body. How do you know she was in possession of drugs? Right. And unnecessary to say that if you want to say that around the table don't so rude april 2006 dave holloway published a book himself called aruba the tragic untold story of natalie holloway and corruption in paradise Mm. that recounted the search for his daughter and then the following year in 2007 joran and a reporter released a book that translated to the case of natalie holloway uh-uh. Yeah, and did, it gets, did this boob make money off of her disappearance? You reckon oh, anybody paid for it? Yeah, and you it, didn't buy it, did you? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but it gives his perspective of the night that Natalie went missing, and he admitted to and apologized for lying in the beginning, but maintained his innocence. So he, her father, writes a book, and then a year later. The guy who I, mm, oh, mm-hmm, yeah, I'm sure that did it, murdered her, then writes a book and also gets, like, money from it. I'm just kind of 
flabbergasted. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did I? Mm, wow. Well, that same year of 2007, another search was done at the Vandersloot residence in Aruba, and Dutch authorities searched the yard and surrounding area using shovels and thin metal rods to penetrate the dirt. And according to Paul, nothing suspicious was found. Then, a few weeks later, the Calpo residence was searched, but nothing was found there either. So they're doing a lot of searches, but they're still interested in these three men. But this has been how long after she disappeared? Two years. Okay. Well, uh, okay. Did they search them right after it happened? I know. What the hell are they doing? Going back two years? What are you going to find? Yeah. That's goofy. They did that for show. That's goofy. They did that for show. They did that to, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got your number, sir, ma'am, whoever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On November 21st of 2007, Joran and the Calpo brothers were arrested yet again. Mm-hmm. An authority said they found some new evidence in Natalie's case, but it didn't move the case forward any, and they were released only a month later in December. Mm-hmm. They also had lack of evidence, according to the Aruban courts, that Natalie died from anything violent or foul play. So, there was still, like, well, we don't have a body. There's no physical evidence. Like, we don't know what happened to her. We don't know How anything. She died. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I get that. All that we know is she was with these guys when she was last seen by her classmates. And then, on the 18th of December, the prosecution closed the case... Because of lack of evidence. In 2007. So they closed the case about two and a half years later. Um, Although the prosecution insinuated that Jorn and the Calpo brothers were still persons of interest, Mm -hmm. even though they were legally not suspects anymore. Prosecutor Hans Mose said that one of the three allegedly said in a chat room that Natalie was dead. But... Mm -hmm. Attorney Ronald Wicks contested that statement and said that it was actually about a teacher that had drowned and continued on by saying, quote, unless he finds a body in the bathroom of one of these kids, there's no way in hell they can arrest them anymore. Oh. What a strange That's statement to make. odd, isn't it? Very oddly specific. Yeah. That's weird, right? Yeah, that's really weird. Well, January 31st of 2008, so we're coming up on three years, a Dutch crime reporter by the name of Peter R. De Vry claimed he had solved Natalie's case and he was going to tell everyone what happened on February 3rd. Mm-hmm. And he planned on telling his findings in a special TV show that was going to be airing on the 3rd. Mm-hmm. Now, the next day, which was the 1st of February, the Dutch media said Joran had made a confession to them about what happened to Natalie. And later that day, Joran denied any confession and still claimed his innocence in Natalie's disappearance. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of he said, she said yeah. going on right now. yep. Which just confuses the, the actual solving of the case. Uh, yeah, of course. Whether he made a confession or not, we do not know for sure. But what we do know is after all of this happened, the Aruba Prosecutor's Office reopened the case. Mm-hmm. 
Now, when this TV program aired, it was video excerpts from a hidden camera that had Joran talking about what happened. I watched this Did on you? the day that it... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So... Thanks for Gib. What happened was, and correct me if I'm wrong, because of course, if you're watched it live, you yeah. you know what's up. Well, but, memory is crap, but oh, we'll see. Uh, well, it said yeah. that he was in a vehicle with someone that then this someone was working with, Peter, the crime reporter, and this guy had gained Joran's trust. So in this video, it showed Joran like smoking weed and saying how Natalie had just begun convul- convulsing when they were together, which led to her becoming unresponsive. And he says he attempted CPR, but his attempts were unsuccessful. And he ends his quote-unquote confession by saying he called a friend who disposed of the body while he went home. But, 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 he did say this one really awful thing. Quote, he went out to sea and he threw her out like an old rag. End quote. And Although this friend said he had no part in that, he was actually at school in Rotterdam, which is in the Netherlands, an almost 10-hour flight from Aruba. Then a few days later, Joran recants that confession and said he was under the influence of marijuana and was just telling the guy what he wanted to hear. No. So what did you think about that when you watched him saying like he just threw her out like an old rag? I felt like that was what happened to her. Oh, yeah. But, oh, oh, no, I felt really uh, angry and all sorts of horrible emotions. I do agree that you remember back in the Lion Sisters case when I was saying that, like, every little story, changing story had some yep. truth of the lie. Yes. Truth, yep. Truth in it. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I think, believe. I think he probably sexually assaulted her. Oh, um, I think I yeah. think that he probably drugged her for sure, raped yeah. her, and then either she did accidentally die yep. or he killed her. Yep. And I don't know if a friend disposed of her. He probably he probably rode himself well, out in the ocean right. and dumped her body somewhere. Exactly. And they haven't found her remains yet. Exactly, and they probably won't because you know because he's never going to say what happened. Of course. He just did, boo-boo. Well, part of it, but he assaulted her. There's no doubt in my mind. He just, and you'll, no spoilers. I know all about this fool. Yeah, Shelly is on the case. I'm telling you, man. On the case with Shell. On the case. So, (laughs) that'll be your your solo podcast. Yes, stop it. I can never do this without you, man. Now, this fellow who was on the tape and in the car with Joran, don't know if you know this, but he wasn't such a great dude either. I don't remember. Tell me. I bet I'll come back. Well, his name was Patrick Vanderarm, or Eam, and he was a Dutch businessman, but also an ex-convict who, like I said, was working with Peter. Well, a couple, what, like a month or so after this aired in March of 2008, Patrick was allegedly secretly taping, oh wait, was allegedly secretly taped saying he had been friends with Peter for years, which when the show came out, they said they had only known known each other for like the investigation time. Yeah. And that he only did what he did because he thought it would make him a millionaire. And if he was involved with Natalie's case and helping get justice, like he thought it was going to bring him fame and money. Right. People so suck. he I mean, yeah. got this confession from this kid to mm-hmm. solve the case. Mm-hmm. 
And apparently he knew the guy who said he had buried the body and paid him hush money for, for it. And when Patrick learned he had been secretly taped, he was allegedly furious and threatened the interviewer who ended up trying to seek legal action. Oh. Later that year in December, Patrick was arrested in the Netherlands for beating his girlfriend up with a crowbar and risky behavior while fleeing Ooh, police. Good gracious of love. So he was not a good dude. Well, okay, which case in point, this other not a good dude was very comfortable talking to him because he was a criminal as well. So, he claims, though, he did all of this for money and fame, and he got this confession, he solved the case, he paid this guy hush money so he could say that he had a confession of who buried her body. Right. All for money? Yeah. That doesn't surprise me one bit. This world sucks. And then he beats his girlfriend up. Yeah. That still has no bearing on what Joran said to him and the fact that that's mostly what happened. Oh, I agree. I think it's just a lot of bad apples in the bunch at the moment. Yeah. Which, the thing is, the problem is, is even if Joran's confession is legit, it makes it hard to believe that he was confessing it to an ex-convict. It's it's never going to hold up in a court of law. No. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be like, well, he was paid for his confession. Like, it wasn't really true. You know, like that's mm-hmm. how I feel like they're gonna try yeah. to lay it. Yeah, so. yeah. But sketchy things did not stop there, and I am kind of beyond pissed. All this did not end up with an arrest because, holy shit! Tell me. In November 2008, Fox News aired another interview they had with Jordan in which he allegedly said that Natalie was sold into sex trafficking or sex slavery. And he received money when she was kidnapped and later on he received more money to be kept quiet. Then he claims his father paid off two police officers who had learned that she was taken to Venezuela, which I guess would... Yeah. Back the fact that Don Pig said that he thought that she just died from a drug overdose or yep. something. Mm-hmm. But, 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 that's all, you know, Peso- speculation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, shocker, shocker, Joran ends up retracting this statement. But Fox News also aired a phone conversation that was allegedly between Joran and his father, Paul. In this recording, his father acknowledges his son's involvement in sex trafficking, but Prosecutor Mose said that the voice of Paul was not actually him, but instead of Joran, lowering his voice to try and imitate his father. Paul ended up dying of a heart attack in February of 2010. He done killed his dad, too. Mm. Put that on his rap sheet. Well, that same November of 2008, CNN reported that Aruvan authorities had two new leads to follow. First, a witness had come forward who could place Paul, who had told police he was home asleep until 7 a.m. the night in question, and Joran near a pond on the island at 4 a.m. on May 30th, 2005. The witness said a young man, wet from the waist down and wearing only one shoe, was running from the pond toward a fast food restaurant. Then the witness said the pair drove by in a red jeep about 10 minutes later. The other tip came from Joran's former girlfriend, who told police Joran had said to her one night, 
quote, who knows, you may now be on the beach with someone who is able to get rid of a corpse, end quote. <gasps> so, like, he's making all these statements, retracting them, but he's still making he's them. saying them. Yeah, right. so. Do we know, I don't ever remember hearing, do we know any history of mental illness? Like, is he, I just don't remember there anything ever being said about his mental I state. I didn't come across anything. Mm-mm, I don't either in all of my, that nature. Yeah. Because, I mean, either he's, you know, nuts or, oh, yeah, sure. like you said, there's some truth in every little crumb he drops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if all of that isn't enough, this freaking monster is about to try and guzzle more money out of the Holloway family. March 29th, 2010, Joran contacted a legal representative with an offer to reveal where Natalie was buried at. And what exactly happened the night of her disappearance if he were given $25,000 up front out of a $250,000 total. The legal representative, John Kelly, contacted the FBI and arranged to make this transaction. May 10th, Joran had $15,000 wired to his account in the Netherlands and then another $10,000 in cash. Authorities learned that the information he gave was false, though, because the house he said Natalie was in wasn't even built yet when she disappeared. So instead of being suspicious of that, authorities ruled that his story wasn't credible enough for an arrest, and he wasn't arrested for wire fraud at the beginning either. So that was, like, a little confusing to me. Yeah. But, nonetheless, Joran stayed in... Um, in touch with John Kelly until the 25th of May. And he said he was going to be turning himself in, but instead he flew to Peru. And unfortunately, the police did not realize what was going on and did not get to Jordan in time before something else bad happened to another young lady. Mm -hmm. Now, eerily enough, first of all, before I say anything, um, you can see that he is cracking stones just like going downhill i think yeah like the police were narrowing in on him and i think he was freaking out yeah but eerily enough may 30th 2010 five years to the day of natalie holloway's disappearance stephanie flores ramirez who was a 21 year old was reported missing in lima peru Mm -hmm. three days later stephanie was found dead in a hotel room when police went to see who the room was rented to, it was none other than Joran Vandersloot. Police also got security footage from the day of Stephanie's disappearance, which showed Joran and Stephanie playing poker for about two hours together, and then they left, headed back to Joran's hotel room. At 5.33 a.m., they went in Joran's room, and that was the last time Stephanie was seen alive. At 8.36 a.m., Joran called the front desk and said he needed to be let back into his room because he was locked out. Well, 20 minutes later, he left the hotel for good by himself with only a backpack. The TV in his room was turned up extremely loud, and apparently he told the front desk clerk, quote, don't disturb my girl, end quote. Mm. Mm. Then she was found in the room, beaten, and her neck was broken. <sighs> yeah. So, it sucks, man. If they, somebody had got this nut. Well, I was about to say a pattern. Like, if yeah. this is what he did to this girl. Okay. Yeah. 
During those couple of days after he had left the hotel, he went to Chile, where he was finally apprehended. At first, he said he was innocent, but eventually cracked and confessed to killing Stephanie. More than likely not because he felt guilty, but because she was literally found in his hotel room. Yeah, right. Beaten. I'm sorry. There's no lie or alibi that is going to get you out of that. Like, she was found dead in your hotel room. Lima police told media that Joran said he caught Stephanie looking on his laptop, and she found evidence linking him to Natalie's disappearance. So in a blind rage, he murdered her. He also said that he knew where Natalie's body was, but would only tell a Reuben police. Sick. The ring around here, he's probably trying to go for a plea deal. Like, I'll give you Natalie's body if you don't Please like. Please tell me he's dead. Well, just mm-hmm. continue on. Ugh. Um, June 3rd, 2010, Joran Vandersloot was charged with first degree murder and robbery in Peru. And robbery? He robbed her too? I guess. Godly. I'm not sure. I bet. Doesn't specify. And then was charged with wire fraud and extortion in Alabama by the U.S. Attorney's Office. Nice. His attorney argued that Joran should only get a manslaughter charge, not first degree, but on... Yeah. No explanation. I'm confused. Like, That's disgusting. What an idiot. But yeah. January 11th, 2012, Joran pled guilty to murder... And in court, he said, quote, I wanted from the first moment to confess sincerely. I truly am sorry for this act. I feel very bad. And claimed he was suffering from extreme psychological trauma from Natalie's disappearance. He was sentenced to... He was traumatized before, you boob. Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody feels sorry for you. Well, he was sentenced to 28 and a half years in prison. Mm -hmm. And when he is released, if he's released... He can be extradited back to the United States and could face up to another 40 years for fraud and extortion. Good. But January 12th, 2012, almost seven years after her disappearance, Natalie Holloway is pronounced legally dead. And when Beth initially was served with the papers from Dave to officially declare Natalie dead, Beth said she would fight it. So she did not believe it she did not want to declare her dead um you always want to hang on to that hope i imagine right and they eventually go to court over it but a judge ruled in favor of dave um but it doesn't end there with eyewitness accounts claiming joran was responsible for natalie's disappearance and it unfortunately it isn't the end of the family's pain either So, after she's declared legally dead, about four years later, in 2016, Mm -hmm. Dave hired a PI named TJ Ward to go through Natalie's case file and look through the evidence. TJ found two more people that were connected to Joran. Gabriel, who was roommates with one of Joran's close friends, Mm -hmm. and this close friend's name, which is the other person, John Ludwig. Gabriel said that John was told what happened to Natalie. This same year, Oxygen started to film a show about Natalie's disappearance and becomes aware of Gabriel's story. Gabriel gave a very detailed description of what happened on May 30th of 2005. Do you remember seeing this? Nope. Really? Mm-mm. I'm really excited. Go, go, go. Oh, <laughs> okay. I don't remember. But, okay. 
So, according to E! News article, John tells this documentary that Joran paid him $1,500 to dig up Natalie's remains in 2010. They then proceeded to crush most of her bones and douse her skull with gas and set it on fire. So, they were literally getting, like, rid of everything. They were trying to destroy hair follicles. They were trying to get rid of her body completely where she was never found again. Hmm. Isn't that so? John, yes. John Ludwig says Joran told him Natalie died from a bad reaction to a drug that he had given her. Mm-hmm. And the investigator used the information given to him by Gabriel and found bones. This is all in this documentary. Yeah. So, they take what Gabriel says and the, investiga- the investigator uses it and the- they find some bones. Yeah. Well, in October of 2017, the one bone that was found to be human was not a match to Natalie Holloway. Mm-hmm. So that was just some other girl that Joran had <laughs> drugged and murdered, most likely. Something. Mm-hmm. Now, in March of 2018, John Ludwig was stabbed by Emily Highstand. Now, this John, like I said, is one of Joran's really good friends. Yep. Supposedly the one that buried and helped crush Natalie's bones up, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, Emily said that John was trying to abduct her at knife point in her driveway. And this bad bitch okay, girl. wrestles the knife away from him and stabs this dude in the stomach. Uh. And then he ran away like a little tiny baby and then died of his injuries at a hospital nearby. Isn't that intense? That's a lot. Emily yeah. was never charged with the crime because Good. authorities said she was acting in self-defense. Yes. Which is... Ooh, defend yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Days after she was attacked, she went on the Dr. Phil show. Which, if you guys don't know, I don't know if you know this, but Dr. Phil is my freaking man. Like, I'm obsessed with the Dr. I Phil like, show. I like Dr. Phil. I love him. Dramatic or not, whatever you may say. His voice is People have been using him a lot on TikTok, and I get so tickled. Oh, my gosh. I might have sent you a couple of them. I've been sending lots. I've been finding lots of good. You folks out there on TikTok are really killing it. I love it. Me too. But, yeah, so, Dr. Phil, you rock. And Oprah Network, you need to start playing his show, like, all the time. Because, like. Oh, does the Oprah Network play Dr. Phil? Dude, they used to play in, like, 8 like eight a.m. to 5. Because, like, when I would babysit, me and my, like. One and a half year old companion yeah, friend, yeah, like watch. we would, I'd be like, "Let's watch Doctor Phil," and I'd be like, "Doctor Phil, Doctor Phil," and he'd like raise his hands oh, up that's so while cute. he'd eat lunch. I like, love it. I know we were Doctor Phil fans. So. Yeah, starting them young, starting them right. Yes, yes, yes. But anywho, she said that she briefly dated John, but after they broke up, he started stalking her. This is Emily speaking yeah. to Doctor Phil. And she also said that a few months after they met, he told her that Joran killed Natalie by accidentally overdosing her. Mm-hmm. So this is like the 15,000th person that Joran, or has heard Joran had killed right. Natalie. Yep. John helped Joran get rid of the remains, and then she told Dr. Field this. Quote, he told me that Joran did do it and hid the body. John told me that Joran got this Natalie girl all drunk at a bar, and Joran took her to the beach and they were having a good time, and she started seizing and foaming at the mouth. And Jordan called his dad and helped them dispose mm-hmm. of the body, end quote. Mm-hmm. I read an article from WT- WVTM13 that was posted back in 2018 that Beth said that she was actually suing the Oxygen Channel 
over the miniseries The Disappearance of Natalie Holloway. And she said what was supposed to be a documentary about the disappearance of her daughter was a freaking joke. Like, she hated this documentary. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you hate everyone? Well, and listen to this. Uh, like, she was adding that the show was really scripted and it lied about details of her disappearance. And then claimed that the producers of the show knew that the bones they found in the documentary were not Natalie's to even begin with, but they alluded to it in the documentary. Well, they have to, right? Right. Get For it to be more... Yeah, it says, it's like... Kinda- Beth said that she endured agonizing weeks of uncertainty while the show played out, and she even provided her DNA sample for testing. Mm-hmm. And Oxygen Media and Brian Gardner Media filed a motion to dismiss these charges, but the suit said they intentionally inflicted yeah, emotional distress I, yeah. upon Natalie Holloway's mother yeah. and committed fraud when they acquired her DNA for the series. Mm. The judge said Beth had enough evidence to make her claims seem plausible. And according to courthousenews.com, Judge Karen Beaudry called it plausible that Oxygen and Brian Garden Media acted with actual malice. And thus their series and the articles they published are not protected by the First Amendment, even though Beth Holloway is a public figure. But after that, I, I couldn't really find anything about it, the lawsuit at all. Right. So, basically saying, like, they were trying to dismiss these charges, but the judge said, like, I can see where you would have acted maliciously, and, like, I can see where you knew these bones were not of the daughter, and you did it right. for... Right. Like, this know. isn't just your first amendment. Right. Like, right. this is intentional. Yeah. I think about that sometimes. Imagine how bad it hurts. Like, I and I try to be, and I think we both do, and there are lots of great podcasts that we tell these stories... I I tell these stories because I want to prevent this kind of stuff from happening to people. You need to know what situations make you vulnerable, what to do if you're ever in one of those situations. But imagine how bad it hurts the family having to listen to stories about, I mean, it hurts me. I'll cry right now. Thinking about just imagine something like that happening to you and then. Well, and I think it's different families feel different ways because I do know on the other hand, some families like want you to talk about it like, one of the cases I was just telling you about, right. like, where we're not talking about it in the media right now, but I think you know what I'm talking about. I don't. <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell you after the Tell me. Yes, yes, yes. Well, her sister's a very big advocate for Oh, her. yeah, I do know who you're talking about. Well, she pounds it into the ground and wants people to talk about it, except for right now, because right. legal things. That's right. So, but I know if it were me, it would hurt me. And to listen I, to it over and over, over again. and over. I mean, you would avoid it, it. but and it. then you know when people speculate or when people try to say, you know, like I, I try to be careful on here not to do that because you don't. Why would you want to hurt people that have gone through like the worst possible thing? Yeah, ever. But these stories are important because we need to know what human beings are capable of. We need to remember. That's why I listen to them all the time. Well, and. I think even the more awareness, like, hello, Brittany yeah. Drexel's case got solved. Yep. Like, if you don't keep talking about it, keep it in the media, keep the police's interest, right? it's never going to get solved. So, I think the more you talk about it, the yeah. more... But I'm just saying, I can I but, feel Beth's pain. Yeah. And when a, when a huge um, TV producer or whatever network does something like that, they need to be taken down like a sweet muffin. That's right. Because you're doing something to get views and to get money. Yeah, and if you're if you're especially if you're spreading false things like right. that is hurting the case. That is hurting her case being solved, and that is a real 
Asshole move. Yeah, it's a dick move for sure. But that was the disappearance of 18-year-old Natalie Holloway, who disappeared in 2005, 17 years ago. That was not 17 years ago. Yes, it was. Gosh, it's crazy. With no body or real evidence, police can't do anything to Joran Vandersloot. But it is a very common thought and theory that he is the one who was with Natalie when she disappeared, whether he was the one who killed her or she died accidentally in his presence or if he sold her to sex trafficking. Like, we don't know, but it is very highly... Wonder if that you know you don't ever hear anything about victims of sex trafficking getting out of it. You know what I mean? Like somebody disappears, you don't know what happened to them. You you never hear, have you? No, no, I don't think so. Mm. I just I think she's probably gone. I think she's probably gone that night. Yeah, me too. It's very sad. Well, my sources were an E News online article biography.com article, a couple of WVTM 13 news articles, a crime museum article, people pill, and courthouse news. And I'm going to try and start linking them in the bios or like the show notes if y'all are interested. Yeah, for sure. But that was the case of Natalie and so sad, so scary. Yeah, hopefully people have plenty of chaperones. Kids go places. Yeah. Because when you're 18, I'm sorry. I know that's a legal age, but you're not grown. Mm. And you still need help. Mm. Oh, scary. So scary. But, yeah. he He's still alive, though. Yeah, he's in prison. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll have a change of heart. Well, but maybe. Some people have deathbed confessions, I suppose. He's got to be. Something's off. Something's off with him. So, let's talk about our next cases really fast. Uh-huh. What are you doing? Felissa Samuel Little is just, I've got to wrap it up. Gots to. So, I'm not even going to think of another case until I finish his. Because, y'all, Samuel Little, I I dare say, and I think I might have said this exact same thing in the last episode, but I'm going to say it again. He's the most prolific serial killer that the United States has ever seen. I feel like he has so many unsolved cases. Like, this guy was just out there murdering people. Well, you keep hyping me up to hear this story because I really don't know details about this dude. I knew nothing about him until my girls over on My Favorite Murder did it. Um, They covered it, and wow like and i listened to some taped interviews i was just telling my sis about this last week listen to some taped interviews of him talking about killing women and y'all i mean just i've never in my life was he in detroit or like chicago he was everywhere boo boo he was a truck driver oh yeah he was all over the place it's crazy that's what i'm doing though next and if for some reason i don't get it finished I'll do a cult. I love the cult episodes. If y'all like them, let us know. If you don't, let us know. Just let us if know. You have any good, if you have any Bruff. good cults. Bruff. Bruff. It's mad fit. I've been watching Ted Lasso, and let me just say. Michael told me I should start saying bloody too. Yeah. Yeah. Ted Lasso is the feel-good comedy of the year. That's what my husband said. It was described as, it is my favorite. It makes me happy. And I love it. And me and Alyssa are both going to start working on our British accents because it's fun. And yeah. we love it. 
So, yeah. Well, I have two cases. One's already done. The other one's, like, in the midst of being done. Mm-hmm. What you got? Uh, the first one we're going to be covering, I just told you, is Johnny Gosh. Oh, yeah. And uh, apparently I'm on, like, an unsolved kick because... No! I know. I was like, Holly, I've got to give some people some some ending, and it, then I still didn't happen. So, yeah, well, sorry. Um, but Johnny Gosh is maybe it will. a... Maybe, but he was a paper boy who disappeared in... 82, I believe, mm-hmm. on this paper early in the morning. Some crazy things. I didn't know what was going on in that case. We'll cover yeah. it. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the case after that will be the boy in the box case. That's familiar, but I can't. So I theorize. Theorize? Theorize? theorize. Wow. Yeah. Um, nice. I theorize. Theorize. Yeah. No, keep it up. He was a four or five year old. They don't know his exact age. Some say three to seven, but I think more like four or five. Yeah. Um, he was nude and very beaten and bruised. Um, and found in a cardboard box. He was dead. I mm. uh, very malnourished. Alyssa. And they still have no idea what his real identity is. What? And even he, with ancestral DNA. Man, they're solving all sorts of cases with it. I love it. I hope so soon. And they have no yeah. idea. Like, they have no idea what happened. Like, they have no idea. Like, it's just, like, a big freaking mystery. Like, like the Summerton man? Like, that Yes, one. that's crazy. Where did this little boy come from? Who is he? No idea. Did you cover the Summerton man? Or am I thinking about my girls over on Morbid? Morbid. Yes. But I was list. I think I'm going to cover that one soon, too. That one's yeah. freaking bananas. I was just watching something on I think the Summerton Man. Netflix. I think it's um like a CIA, like the undercover. Or what's the word? God, leave my brain, y'all. And I haven't been doing anything. Undercover's good. Well, like um, it's witness protection. Mm mm. Um, dang. Okay, let's move past it. I can't. My brain's been. Whew, summertime's got me like. Uh. That's what's got you like. Uh. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Well, anywho. Anyways, we'll, y'all will be looking forward to those. And Samuel Little, uh, it's definitely going to be more than one part, I think. And we'll um, take case suggestions. Yes, we always. told you that, which we have. Um, because we want to be putting out content that you want to hear. Like, are you liking these cases we're doing? Are you liking the way we present them to you? Like, Do you want to see more disappearance cases, more homicide, more serial ki- serial killers kind of where I've been at well, with Samuel Little for months now. I've read and watched and yeah. it doesn't stop. Mm-mm, it doesn't. But yeah, let us know. So yeah, period. Um, That's it. That's all, Except folks. for as hit it, girl. always, you need to follow the Instagram at Pod. Go join our Facebook group Ill-Natured Podcast. We have a TikTok. I've been trying to post on there more often. At Ill Natured Pod. Mm-hmm. And the email illnaturedpod at yahoo.com. And that's all, folks. Uh, make remember. sure you need to rate. We're really looking for yeah. some rating and reviewing. We might do a little giveaway or something. Yeah, for sure. But we're really looking awesome. for listeners, too. You know? If so. you really enjoy us, be sure to Right, and leave us a little tiny review or a great big one. We don't care. Yeah. Interact with us on the socials, you know? Yes. 
spread the pod name like wild flower, baby. Yes. Mm-hmm. But and we'll be back in your ears next week on Tuesdays as usual at midnight. So we will mm-hmm. catch you on the flip side. Peace.